What? I got a beatboxer today. Good morning, good afternoon, good whatever time it may be where you are right now listening to this podcast. We have an awesome guest with us today. But first, I'm Nikki Acosta, your hostess with the mostest of Cloud Unfiltered, where we talk all things cloud. Val, introduce yourself. And I'm Valor, and I'm the sidekick. Software yeah, engineer. <laughs> software engineer. Uh, and we have an awesome guest, Heidi. Introduce yourself. Hey, uh, I'm Heidi Joy Trathaway. I'm Senior Marketing Manager for the OpenStack Foundation. And uh, I get to work on stuff like the user survey and uh, the software releases and branding. And full disclosure, I totally butchered her name in the uh, YouTube thing. I'm going to try to go back and edit it. But if I don't, uh, yes. you can find Heidi uh, yes. on Twitter at... H-E-I-D-I. Yes. T-R-E-T-H-E-W-A-Y. <laughs> there we go. I'm not even going to try to like read that out loud because she said the way and I kept saying the away and it, it just confused me. So Heidi, trade the way. Trade the way. <laughs> See, now you're just going to confuse people. I, I tell um, people that it rhymes with take your breath away. Ah! away. <laughs> so there you go. Now you will never forget it. I've got it now. Uh, so we typically like to start these things by asking about you. Like, how did you make your way and meander through this path of doing user surveys and being kind of the data nerd for the OpenStack Foundation? I have always been a nerd, so I think you're you're spot on there. Um, I, I started life as a journalist. That was my college degree. I'm not a technologist, so um, I find a I find that I'm always trying to own a piece of thought leadership in OpenStack that is something that's accessible to me, that is not coding. Um, but I get to work with a lot of people in the ecosystem, the product work group, the PTLs. We work on the roadmap with the product work group. Um, I, I am, whether you're friend or foe, behind the mascots <laughs> for, uh, for the different projects. Um, and I've been working on the user survey now for four cycles. And the way I got from journalism all the way into OpenStack um, was I went from covering commercial real estate to marketing commercial real estate to marketing software and now um, in open source software. So I'm really happy to be here. I like this community because I really like how people show up and they want to be here. And so that's very different than a lot of other organizations where people seem to be kind of doing the slog and punching the clock. Um, pretty much everybody I work with in OpenStack wants to be here, they're positive, and they're really intent on making a difference. And so you use some terms, you know, PTL, you know, Ooh. product working group, OpenStack, we might have some users here who are new to cloud. So yeah. give, us, give us the rundown of what OpenStack is and does and uh, how it's structured. Well, OpenStack is massively scalable cloud infrastructure. And um, within OpenStack, we have what we call the Big Tent, which is a group of now more than 60 projects. Each project has a leader that is voted on by the contributors to the project. They're called the project team leader. And so we abbreviate that to PTL. So I'm sorry for my alphabet soup. Um, and then we also have a little teeny tiny foundation, only about 24 people who are bringing together the 25 to 3,500 people each release that are development contributors as well as active user contributors 
who are contributing to the organization in ways that might not be developing code, but for example, with the product work group, um, pulling together content and information for the roadmap. Um, and so our little tiny team on the foundation works to organize those summits and those um, developer get-togethers and then launch the software every six months. So um, we're now on the 14th release of OpenStack software and that code name is Newton. Every time I register for a summit, it's like, how many summits have you been to before? And I'm like, oh man, they're gonna yeah. make me they're gonna make me go Google this. I didn't make the last one. That was the first one I've missed since uh Boston was my first summit. So going back to Boston now in like a month. It's crazy. Yeah, so excited about I'm that. So jazz. Val, are you gonna be joining us in Boston? Possibly. Yeah. All right. Woo. <laughs> Yeah. So I will I will t give you a little sneak peek without giving it away of um, one of the keynote speakers. Um, this uh, woman is a scientist, and that's all I'm going to say about who she is. But once they described what sh her project was, I raised my hand in the conference call. I'm like, "Can you? Did you ask her if her boss was named Morpheus? <laughs> because it sounded <laughs> so completely cool and Matrix-like." Um, I am really excited for um, her to be on the keynote stage. I'm really happy there. Oh, they're great. OpenStack has been great about pulling women uh, for, for keynotes and other things. And the Women of OpenStack group is just amazing. Uh, such an awesome group of people that do really cool, fun stuff. Uh, and I know. saw on Twitter just recently, there's a woman who said, hey, no excuses. Let's get a list of a thousand killer women tech speakers. And uh, I couldn't believe the number of responses to that Twitter request. I mean, I can believe it from the standpoint, I know a lot of really fantastic women in tech who are excellent speakers, but I mean, the list went on and on and on and on. And so it's um, not only do I applaud the folks who are pulling together the keynote speakers um, and finding quite a few women in that group, but also um, I just love the tech community of women who are supporting each other and um, referring to each other and, and helping each other grow and, and and really be present there. And so, yeah, I, I love that too. I, and I just saw it, you know, no excuses. I love yes, that. So. I love it too. Speaking of amazing women, uh, this isn't your only job, Heidi. <laughs> and I asked you if it was okay if I could bring it up because I found this out about you right when I met you and Googled you. And hey, I was it's, like, it's on Twitter. It says I lead a double life. This, I mean, OpenStack is my only job, but um, I've for the last four and a half years been writing and publishing books as well. And so um, it's that, your banner. It's a very provocative banner that you <laughs> yeah. have there on your Twitter handle. Very fun to see. Yeah. So what are your books about, Heidi? Oh, they're about <laughs> love. <laughs> love and relationships. Sometimes I, uh, I, I tell people, oh, I just write fiction, and then I just let it go. And then other times I, I own it, and I'm like, oh, I, I write steamy romance novels. And uh, <laughs> I, I am totally happy to own it. You know, a lot of people don't think about it this way, but um, romance novels are actually really feminist texts. They 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 really speak to the fact that uh, of women who are willing to fight for what they want and um, you know pursue their passions and own those 
those pieces of them when so often um, folks are told not to. So uh, I, I love doing it. It's, it's definitely a good balance between the technology and the data nerding, as you put it, um, and, and then getting to write these you know, wonderful fictional worlds and characters. And where do you find these models uh, who are on the cover? Do you know them personally? <laughs> and would you like their phone numbers? Yeah! <laughs> My my very very elderly grandmother was like, "How do you know this guy? Can I meet this guy?" <laughs> I like um, your grandmother. <laughs> yes. So some of the um, some of the models are are stock stock images um, where I would never meet the model. Um, I think a couple of my models are German. No idea who this guy is. But um, I've also uh, done some custom shoots, uh, and these are are. Uh, some fabulous models um, for my Phoenix covers. Uh, the woman was a ballerina and a spokesmodel. And then the man was an acrobat and a cheer coach. And um, they had beautiful bodies, but they also just really worked well together. They had great chemistry. So it was very fun and a little this this gorgeous cover. Double life, Heidi Joy. Yes. She puts the oh boy in joy. <laughs> oh man, good time. Okay. Thank you for clearing that up. You yeah, know, I've, got, I've got now that it's out there. <laughs> I think it's been out there for a while, Nikki. I've never really tried to hide it. I love um, that about you. Do it. That girl. is good. Yeah. So, so let's talk about OpenStack, the surveys. I want to hear more about the surveys, the cloud surveys, all the things that's been going on. They're not out yet. So this is like totally yeah. sneak peek preview of what's to come. And Give they're very us nearly the highlights. As yeah, it's very nearly as sexy as my romance novel. So we're we're in. Um, Almost, actually, and I'm happy talking about either topic. So you know, right. we're gonna have a, a nasty like uh, explicit tag on this podcast. No. You know that, right? No, because my mom's gonna want to watch this one. <laughs> Hi, mom. <laughs> Hi, mom. Hi, All right. mom. So I'll, I'll give you the background on, on the user survey, which has been going on since April of 2013. So this is actually the ninth user survey we've done. And uh, if you just look at the last three user surveys, so April 2016, October 2016, and April 17, put them all together, dedupe the, the folks who answered more than once. Um, we have surveyed more than 2,500 community members just over the last 12 month period. And that is really exciting because I feel like we are really showing a strongly representative sample. When you see consistent data from all of these different answers time over time, it really speaks to the fact that um, you can not only look inside the data, but you can very likely extrapolate out of the data. Um, so, so that's pretty exciting. And also in this user survey, we had 44% more deployments reported than in any survey previously. And that is just a massive insane number. Um, so that was really exciting. Also, we have 22% more organizations participating than ever before. And um, just a year ago, our survey was the high watermark. So to blow those numbers out of the water this time was was really cool. So who's who's adopting OpenStack? Is it is it big companies? Is it small companies? Is it primarily US? Is it global? Like, how does it break out? Yeah. Um, well, one of the things that we found uh, was that we had, um, sorry, uh, 61% of the respondents who are answering this survey were outside of the United States, as well as 74% of the deployments were physically located out of the United States. So um, this is our most international 
uh, internationally representative survey ever. Um, and I think that's that's a really important and exciting thing. We're also working with the um, I-18N internationalization translations team to actually translate the user survey in the future um, into other languages to make it more accessible to folks, yes, all over the world. I, I want to show um, a lot more in Asia Pacific um, uh, and just break down the language barrier to participation in the survey. Uh, we also get a lot of questions about the size of companies. And one of the things that I like most is just to slap up that pie chart of um, organization size because actually um, we see really uh, consistent distribution from companies of all sizes. About 25% of the respondents were, um, were organizations that were smaller than just 100 employees and they are running OpenStack successfully. And then also, um, Another, uh, let's see, 32% are organizations larger than, than 10,000 employees. So companies large and small um, all across the board are able to find value and um, successfully build and, and operate OpenStack. Wow, that's, that's interesting information. And it's timely too, because I, and I, I wanted to ask you this question because I was just you know, monitoring Twitter, and so Kelsey Hightower, who everybody, many people know, is is you know the one of the spokespersons of Kubernetes. You think of Kubernetes, you think of Kelsey Hightower, great guy. And uh, his question he asked on Twitter uh, was about OpenStack adoption. Is it growing or, or shrinking? And then he asked this. He said, "Would it be fair to say that OpenStack is not for the common organization, but for up and coming cloud providers looking to standardize?" So, yeah. how would you answer that based on the survey? Well, I mean, on the one side, we, we'd look at the um, organization size, right? Um, so you, you see a lot of enterprise-grade companies or enterprise-sized companies that are adopting OpenStack. And then you can also, um, I mean, I know a lot of times uh, the in, in the summit events, we are um, really focusing on the world's largest brands because they have, you know, the greatest name recognition. But if you go to openstack.org forward slash users, you can actually read user stories of um, uh, smaller, mid-sized companies, um, other brands that maybe you haven't heard of, but if you are in one particular corner of the world, that might be a huge provider in your area. So, so you can dig deeper on that. Um, the other thing that I would answer is that while we have about 56% of our survey respondents who indicate they are in information technology, um, there are a ton of other industries represented, uh, telecom, academics, research, finance, retail, e-commerce, manufacturing, industrial, government, defense. I mean, the laundry list <laughs> is, is quite large. And, and that's exciting too because we see all these different industries finding success with OpenStack. And um, behind the scenes, my colleague Allison Price is um, kind of our user guru. And so she's constantly reaching out to folks um, to say, tell us more about, about um, you know, how are you using OpenStack? What's it doing for you in terms of your business solution? Like how is it creating a competitive advantage for your business? And so, so that part of it um, is really important to us. So in terms of, of just uh, adoption, are, tell us about maturity. Like are these, are the people that are responding longtime users? Are these, you know, fresh deployments? Like it's hard to kind of get an idea, I think, when you're just uh, looking at, you know, return surveys. But are, is there any other data that might indicate uh, maturity level? 
Yeah. Um, well, one of the the charts that everybody seems to cite, I go to these open stack days and I swear everybody pulls this into their deck and talks about it, is um is just the 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 cloud stage chart um, where we break down um, deployments in production, deployments that are under development or in testing, and then those that are in proof of concept stage. And um, compared to last year, it ticked up slightly just by one point, uh, two thirds of deployments are in production. And if you look at it from the standpoint of, you know, where do we want these numbers to go? We don't want those numbers to go to 100% production, right? We want new clouds to be constantly being created. And so in this survey, we asked a new question um, that we hadn't asked before, and we talked about about um, when was your cloud created? And the vast majority, 42% of all of the clouds that were reported were actually created in 2016. I mean, that is tremendous to me. That shows massive growth on OpenStack. And if we just kept up the pace um, from 2017, uh, so 2017, number of clouds, um, or number of deployments reported 14% of our total, right? If we just kept up that pace this year in terms of the number of clouds that were created in 2017, we would outpace the 2016 number by double. I mean, so so when we look at, you know, a bunch of clouds that are in proof of concept or test phase, that's great. I love seeing the the new clouds come on board. And, um, and then of the ones that are older, we have a much higher proportion of them in full operational use in that production level. Like 82% of the clouds that are founded in 2015 or earlier are in full operational use. That's awesome. So clear message that uh, OpenStack is very much alive and still growing. And, can, can, and one other thing I wanted to mention is we took an average of the cloud age and the average clouds age is only 1.68 years. I mean, so we got a lot of little youngsters out there. Little baby clouds. Yeah. So if I'm like, you know, let's say a large enterprise and I'm like, oh man, you know, maybe I should do this cloud thing. And uh, I'm, I'm looking at starting. Is it too late? Is it too late for me? No, of course not. I mean, especially with the maturity of the vendor ecosystem, um, how many choices you have, uh, how many solutions that you have if you're not sure that you can do this all by yourself. Um, when we asked people what they liked most about OpenStack, one of the things users most commonly mentioned was the fact that they had lots of resources, tools, they had a fantastic development community that would help them with uh, troubleshooting and problem solving. So. Uh, I would, I would say definitely not. The other thing I would do is I dig into the numbers on um, how much of your overall infrastructure is actually running on OpenStack. Because um, that was a new question. And, you know, honestly, I was a little bit nervous about asking that question. <laughs> I'm like, is this, is, am I going to like this answer? And um, not only do I like this answer, but it's, it's my favorite chart in the entire uh, OpenStack user survey. So we asked people, what percentage of your overall cloud infrastructure is actually running on OpenStack? And then we gave them 20% segments. So zero to 20, uh, or one to 20, 21 to 40, 41 to 60, 61 to 80, 81 to 100. And the median user of all of our um, users who are reporting this, this cycle, um, the median user runs 61 to 80% of their overall cloud infrastructure on OpenStack. So that can't just be some, some new app that we're just going to throw on OpenStack and then leave our legacy systems elsewhere. That has to be real uh, deep adoption throughout the enterprise. And I think that's an exciting thing. And then we also wanted to ask that question of those clouds that were 
the largest clouds, you know, over a thousand cores. And when we did that, the median user, about 54% uh, of the users said that they were running 81 to 100% of their uh, of their overall cloud infrastructure on OpenStack. So that is some some seriously deep adoption. Just very deep. How, how, do, how do you find these users that you survey? Like, does somebody have to be a member of, like, how, how do they know that they want to be surveyed? Like, how do you find them? Are you always looking for more people to survey? Yes, we're always looking. Yeah, I, I <laughs> Tell your friends. Be, I'm just curious um, to know how the process works. Yeah, so um, we we send uh, two emails because we don't want to bug people too much, but but we send one and then we send a follow up reminder to all seventy thousand plus members of the OpenStack Foundation. So obviously, if if you're not a member, if you're not on our, on our mailing list somewhere, um, then we don't know about you. We can't ask you, although it is a public survey, so you can you could come to the OpenStack site, find it, and and take the survey. We also specifically target um, the operators mailing list, the marketing mailing lists um, the the foundation board you know we, we go out to them with specific appeals and then we go back remember I told you we had more than 2,500 users surveyed over the last year well there's only about a third of those users who cross over and also answered in April 2017 and so I go back to previous cycles of the user survey and I ask those folks um, to to fill out the survey and I send them um, a more personal appeal. So we're trying to get as many people as possible, but I, I think it's also really interesting how, how small the crossover is um, between like April 2016 and April 2017. Um, there's not a lot of crossover and yet we see um, relatively consistent results. Do, do you have any data on use cases? Like what are people actually doing with OpenStack? I, you mentioned telcos, you mentioned a number of industries, but what are they actually doing with it? Yeah, we, um, we have data on workloads, uh, and I'm going to scroll right over there and, and see if I can give you a little bit more um, insight into our workloads. Yeah, even but, just like the top three or something. Yeah, um, infrastructure services is the is the number one. 60% um, of folks um, at all cloud stages uh, told us they were doing something with like public or private cloud services or infrastructure services. And software development testing QA is also high with more than half of the users reporting they're, they're using using OpenStack with that workload. Um, but then some of the other top ones are databases, web services, uh, storage, backup and archiving, and NFE, network, network functions virtualization, um, is 28% of the people who answered the survey said they're using OpenStack for NFE in some way. And object storage is still pretty hot too, right? Yeah, um, uh, object storage, Swift actually grew a ton in just in the last, um, Compared to the last survey cycle, 16% um, of users are provisioning more than one petabyte of storage, and that's a 200% increase just compared to last year. And, um, and, and so for folks yeah. who uh, don't know what Swift and object storage are, it's, it's basically uh, similar to Amazon's uh, S3 service, except you can have it on site uh, or you know in a colo and you kind of uh, can isolate it. But it's basically, I, I call it the coat check. Uh, you know, you, you give somebody, yes. you get a coat check ticket via an API, and then when you want it, you give your ticket back and they give you your coat back. And so it's just a, an easy way to programmatically store uh, tons of data, whether it be videos or documents or uh, pretty much anything you ever want to think of. Some people put backups in object storage, which I think is a really neat use case. Snapshots. Yeah. 
Yeah, and more than half of um, the users in this survey told us that they were um, running Swift um, either in uh, the, the full production phase or in test phase. Um, and also, I, I love the, that analogy to uh, object storage being uh, being like coat check. Um, I like to compare it to valet parking. You know, you give your you give your car to the valet, uh, he or she takes it away, and then um, actually they do something tricky with it. They, they copy that car, so in case it gets a door ding or something, they bring you back the only the best one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, and then I and then I compare that to Cinder's block storage, where where you're really renting a storage unit. So you get this defined amount of space, and whether you park your car in it or not, it is yours. Nobody else gets it, um, and and it, and it's uh, a defined space rather than the the content in it being defined. I used to love that storage show where they auction off the storage units. Oh yeah, storage wars. Storage wars. I don't have cable yeah. anymore, but I like the the older guy that has uh, an eye for very weird, strange things. <laughs> like I wish he was my uncle. He's a pretty neat guy. Sorry. I like, I like your I like your analogy. Those are good. Thanks. We did a, um, a crazy little talk in Barcelona. Um, I worked with uh, Shamile Tahir and Tyler Britton, and uh, we did we did a talk called Wacky Analogies to Explain OpenStack to Non-Technical People. And so that's on YouTube. You can look it up, uh, and it's from the Barcelona Summit. I should send that to my grandfather. There you go. Every time I see him, he's like, so baby, what do you do again? <laughs> my grandfather is Hank Hill, by the way. He is like Hank Hill, crazy. <laughs> Like just, dresses like him, looks like him, talks like him. It's nuts. Nice. Just so wait till I, we I, get to. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was going to ask you. Can you tell us more about the foundation? How does it operate? How's it funded? Um, what's going on with it? How does it even come into being? Like, is it is it supported by different companies? Is it? Yeah. Um, is it big? Is there a lot of members in it? Uh, in terms of like who's running it? Um, yeah. Am I automatically a member because I went to an OpenStack summit once and I registered? Does that make me a summit member? Well, it, no, I, I don't know. Uh, individual membership is free, and and my guess is that you probably have um, logged in uh, to the OpenStack site at some point, and so so you would be considered uh -huh. uh, an individual member. And we have about seventy thousand of those, and we also have about five hundred um, uh, you know sponsoring companies that support um, OpenStack in some way. Some of them are gold and platinum sponsors, and um, some of them are are simply members of the ecosystem who might participate participate in some of our commercial uh, licensing. So um, you have to pay to use the OpenStack brand as part of your commercial solution. If you're selling um, a solution for OpenStack um, and using the, the OpenStack brand, um, then you do need to pay for that. Um, the, the way that the, the foundation runs, I mean, it, you, I want you to visualize like some a, a very scrappy group of passionate and very talented people, um, but scrappy is is got to be the word for it because everybody seems to be a hu human Swiss Army knife on the team. Everybody has like these these really um, kind of multi layered skills to get stuff done, and uh, it just shocks me every day how small the team is. Um, you know. Fewer than 25 people. Um, we're led by uh, Jonathan Bryce, our executive director, um, Mark Collier, the chief operating officer, and Lauren Sell, the VP of marketing. And um, then 
within our different teams, which might be the events team or the infrastructure team or the marketing team, um, we work to basically coordinate the efforts of this huge community. Um, and so having a small de dedicated staff helps us get those software releases out and on time with, with all of those critical features and, and then being able to like take that to the community and um, work with the, um, the PR and analysts um, as well. I mean, it's it's really helpful to have that that small group of people. But and, and you have yeah, to put on the summits too, right? Yeah, yeah. That's that's all the events team, which is just a, a handful of folks, and we work with a a fantastic um, events uh, team as well that that um, you know builds all of this stuff. I mean, our our tiny little design team basically completely builds the visual identity of each summit from scratch to reflect the, the location that we're going to. So for example, in Barcelona, you saw a lot of like graffiti because um, that's that's like a, a key visual element when you go to Barcelona. Um, in Boston, you'll see a lot of sports themes. And uh, so it's really fun to work with really creative and, and smart people who are always trying to, you know, make things one louder, take it to 11. The, the live band in Austin was a nice touch, by the way. Can we just have that every time? That was yeah, so great. <laughs> I was, to be honest, I was like, oh man, like the, the summits in Austin, because I live in Austin and I was like, oh, that's like, I love getting away and traveling and seeing all the, all the friends. And, and I've, uh, I've met so many wonderful people through these summits uh, to the point now where, you know, every year when we get together, it keeps growing and growing, but I'll do like a coin exchange. So I'll bring uh -huh. a bunch of American coins and have people bring coins from their country or, or money of any kind. And we do like a money swap, nice. which is it's really fun. And my, you know, my kids, like, you know, every time I go to one of these things, they're like, Hey, what are you, what are you bringing me this time? Uh, I've probably invested a lot in, uh, in foreign coins, but talk about a group of people. I mean, people who would normally not have very much in common, yeah. uh, you know, from all walks of life, from all different countries. It's been a, a really, really neat experience, uh, for sure going to these summits and I'm excited about Boston. Super excited. Yeah. It feels a family reunion yeah it feels like a family reunion when we go to the summits you see all these these people that you know and don't always get to see so what were you well, going to say well i imagine it's pretty tight because it's every six months you see them but uh what can we expect for this summit coming up i mean we're going back to boston uh what's what's gonna what's exciting what why should people go and why should they care and Oh, they gotta go. Um, I, I mean, one of the things I'm really excited about is that we are not just talking OpenStack, but we're talking open source. And so we have a number of other um, communities and, and open source organizations that are gonna be there. They might be hosting their own kind of like mini summit within that. Um, you definitely wanna be there for the um, Fenway Park Fun, um, which will be our Stack City um, kind of community party. Uh, Nikki, I see, I see you're, you're looking happy about that. And what about spousivities? That's like one of my favorite Spouse, things for, for yeah. friends. Um, I don't, I don't know, honestly. Um, I, again, I'm not on the events team, but, but those folks think through every little detail. Um, one thing I, I think you'd enjoy, um, that we just kicked off in Barcelona that we'll do again in Boston is the foundation lounge, um, with, uh, foundation fundamentals, which are kind of like little lightning talks from the different people on staff. So you can get insights into different projects or different teams and what they're working on. And I was thinking, I have two travel tips for you for going to the summit. 
Number one oh, is um, when whenever I travel internationally, my number one best place to get uh, souvenirs for the fam, uh, whether it's for for my husband or for my kids, is the grocery store. Um, I like bringing back salt and olive oil and local junk food. I mean, Japanese junk food just blew my it kids' mind. I couldn't believe it. I brought back so much. Great stuff. idea. Yeah. So <laughs> my second um, my second travel tip is even if you are like literally landing and running to the summit and then you finish the summit and you run back, try to find that one moment within your craziness of summit uh, that will be kind of like the thing that is really memorable that you will take away. Um, and and it, it almost requires you to be quiet for a moment. Um, so when I went to France, um, I visited Monet's garden and um, I sat there on a bench overlooking Monet's garden and I did some like embroidery. I was working on a Christmas stocking for my daughter. And and that is the moment that I most remember from that trip. And similarly, I just got back from OpenStack Days Warsaw and um, I only had a day uh, basically to decompress and and to get, go, get ready for um, the next summit. And instead of trying to, you know, run myself ragged, trying to see all the things in Warsaw, I took a half day and took a Polish cooking class. So I learned to make pierogies and then a couple of other things. And I felt like that was the best souvenir I could bring back. So anyway, uh, we need some I want to hang out with you in Boston. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm down to find some lobster rolls or whatever. I don't. I, I don't think we can walk very far without tripping over some lobster rolls. And I, I mentioned spasivities earlier. So the, the uh, Heidi was talking about uh, just the amount of detail that goes into planning these things. So the foundation for years now has uh, basically planned out uh, a side track for spouses who attend. And so all the spouses, men and women, mm -hmm. whose husband or wife or partner might be. Uh, in sessions all day, they actually have these activities where they take them out on excursions together and they, you know, they get food and they get to go on a boat ride or, you know, on a sightseeing tour or whatever, uh, which is really cool. There's not a lot of, um, I'll say like big conferences in my experience that uh, that are really looking out for the spouses who choose to attend. And so I think it's a really nice touch. So if you're uh, if you're thinking about coming to the Open Sex Summit and you're thinking about maybe bringing your spouse and getting a sitter for the kids, uh, <laughs> you should do it because it's wicked fun. And, you know, I'm trying to bring my man and he needs some fun people to hang out with. Yeah. <laughs> good, good. Stay in. So uh, what else for the survey? Is there anything else that's uh, that's interesting that uh, you're going to be giving a talk, right, about this yeah. summit? Yeah, I'll be talking about it in the Foundation Lounge, um, in a Foundation Fundamentals. And um, a couple of things we didn't talk about yet, um, but we might want to a little bit, is um, uh, in terms of containers, uh, this is the fourth survey in a row where containers have been the number one thing, uh, number one emerging or new technology that users indicate they're interested in. 75% of all of the people we surveyed said they were interested in containers. And then when we dug into that, um, we found that uh, Kubernetes was the most popular uh, container or pause tools for managing applications on OpenStack. That's been pretty consistent. Um, and then Docker was the top format for those people who are running OpenStack services inside containers. But one thing I thought was really interesting about that um, question was 20% 20, 20 of respondents told us they were running more than one container format. So um, it's still kind of evolving. And, and in a lot of cases, we saw um, people 
you know, when you give them an opportunity to select all, boy, they're selecting all. <laughs> they're, I mean, they're finding, they're, they're making a lot of different technology choices, not just kind of consolidating around one. That's interesting. And so, you know, I've been personally just trying to sort through what containers means, like uh, what layer are you talking about container use? You know, Cisco does a lot of stuff. We talked to Dave Lively last week on the podcast about uh, networking containers. And then there's sort of infrastructure oriented or open sex service containers. And then there's containers at the app layer. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it, it seems like there's, you know, a, a whole toolbox of different containers that uh, I'll say integrate with OpenStack very well, but it, that's super interesting to hear that it's, you know, continuing to grow. I, I'd be curious to see what people are actually doing with these containers. Yeah. And, and I also thought it was interesting too, that you said that this summit, it's going to be focused on other open source technologies other than OpenStack. Is that what I heard correctly? Um, and so that it's that we're talk, talks about Kubernetes or. Yeah, it's that we're including these other open source uh, technologies and organizations to be a part of of the OpenStack summit, so that it's it's not only OpenStack because we realize that users do not only use OpenStack; they're using lots of things. I mean, when we ask people about, um, uh, you know, w with what which other types of clouds are are your clouds interacting, we see that they're interacting with all sorts of other kinds of clouds, and so um, it only makes sense to really be embracing of all of these different technologies. And I think that's going to make it a more valuable summit for everyone. It's it, it gives you a better reason to go to the OpenStack summit so that you're not, um, you know, running around to all of these different, um, uh, to these different uh, 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 events, um, but, but that you actually have an opportunity to um, speak to folks who are part of these different technologies. Yeah, they're at that one conference. That's actually really nice. Yeah. So obviously, you guys, as the foundation, you guys and gals, uh, probably learn a lot from these in terms of what your priorities are. And you talked about some of the great things, but where where are the opportunities for OpenStack and the community and you know users to uh, to make a difference? What can be improved? Oh yeah, that's a that's a great question, and and you know that's one of the key questions that we're listening for on on the user survey, um, because I mean we want to see this grow and improve, and we're we're just doing a bunch of back padding, like hey we're so great we're never going to get better. So um, we dug in really deeply on the user survey in the comment analysis, more than six hundred comments just when we asked which areas of OpenStack require further enhancement. Um, one of the things that I heard loud and clear was people want a common deployment and lifecycle management tool or framework. Um, it's going to make things easier. Um, uh, both uh, deployment and management is an issue. And so um, one of the things they said is an OpenStack operator should know how to deploy OpenStack, not need to know how to deploy Nova plus Neutron plus Glance plus Cinder and then all of the attendant, uh, you know, foibles with each project. But, um, but that's not what OpenStack was in. I mean, at that point, they want productized OpenStack. And if you want that, you can get that from vendors, right? Um, yeah, but but I mean, we also heard that you know having every vendor use its own tools um, wasn't helpful to them. Um, I'm I'm just reflecting back what the yeah. what the users were telling us that they would like. Um, they also told us they want um, better feedback loop between them and the developers, and I think the forum is going to go a long way in doing that because the forum is is uh, new to the Boston Summit, um, and it's really set up from a 
strategic standpoint to have those longer term and more strategic conversations rather than just focusing on what's the next release, what do we have to do to produce the next release, which tends to be more tactical conversations. And we see a lot of those extremely productive but tactical conversations happening in the project teams gathering, which you saw in Atlanta and then will be coming up in September. Is there anything in the user survey that gives you an indication of uh, the amount of resources that people are putting into contributing back to OpenStack? Ooh, um, I, I, I see it in the comments specifically, but I don't, I don't think I have a, a chart or a stat that could, that could specifically measure that. It seems like there's a, there's still, you know, a, a, I'll say a core group of folks that contribute, but it seems like there's a lot of more new people coming into the the development mix and contributing code, which I think is really awesome. It's always good, I think, to get you know all of those perspectives captured. Yeah, that's really encouraging. Um, and then also we we see that you know typical distribution like the eighty twenty rule, where you know eighty percent of uh, or twenty percent of the contributors are contributing eighty percent of the code. We definitely yeah. have that core group of folks who are or the power users or power contributors. Cool. That's awesome. Heidi, I got one more question about the survey. So, yeah. you know, you showed the growth outside of the United States. Was there one region that had more growth than the other regions? Like, was there one, like, was it Europe? Was it, I, I don't know, like, was, did one yeah. just, anything surprising there? Or um, I would say it's it's not extremely surprising. I mean, we saw a slight uptick in growth in, in European representation in this cycle, um, which was from 24% of, of all of the users up to 29% of the users. So, I mean, okay. it, it was, it was uh, a small amount of growth, but um, I mean, in prior surveys, for, for example, surveys that are leading up to um, the Asia Summit uh, or the Tokyo Summit, for example, um, we had a higher representation in Asia. So, I, I mean, I think that's probably pretty, um, uh, I don't think you should be drawing conclusions necessarily from that. Um, the, the big takeaway for me was just the internationalization of the survey, having a lot more folks um, well distributed around the globe rather than one region spiking. And and how do you do that through ambassadors to get the word out through local language and um, well, we, I mean, to this point, we have been really contacting foundation members directly through the emails that they provide. Um, but as part of this um, quest to internationalize the survey and translate it, um, we'll be at the OpenStack Days in Asia and um, speaking to that and, and really hoping to connect with local users who can help, um, you know, connect with other users and encourage them to fill out the survey. Um, we know there's massive growth in China, for example. Um, we know there's massive growth in Asia overall, but we can't quantify it unless we get the users on the survey. Um, so, so we really like to see and show that um, over the summer um, when that is available. And then also at the Sydney summit in November, um, I'd really like to show a lot of representation from Oceania and Asia, particularly on the survey. Um, and, and even if folks are answering the survey outside of the survey cycle, that's fine. Um, that's, that's still an opportunity um, for us to represent it on the analytics dashboard. Awesome. Speaking of the analytics dashboard. Perfect timing. Yeah, Go for it. tell us about it. Yeah, 
Okay, the community is invited to explore the user survey more. Um, they can analyze the data on the, uh, on their own. Um, you can use six global filter categories, and we have three different data sets from 2015, 2016, 2017. It's easy to get to, which is just openstack.org forward slash analytics. And I'll just remind you that the user survey itself actually comes out this Thursday, April 20th. And so all of the report, all the stats I've been talking about, a four minute video, that'll save you reading the 66-page report, um, as well as the analytics dashboard. Um, that'll all be updated and available to folks on this Thursday, April 20th. You know your users, especially ones like me with short attention spans. <laughs> Can you I get, give me four minutes, Nikki? Give me I, four minutes. I'm so visual. I really love all the charts and graphs and you know the, the synopsis of it all. So I uh, certainly appreciate that. So Heidi, thank you so much for joining us today. We are about out of time. Uh, but it is a pleasure, and I cannot wait to hang out with you. If you want some company on your uh, excursions, I'm down for a cooking Let's class. Let's do it. I'll do it. I'm super <laughs> down. And uh, Anna, maybe I'll read one of your novels. Which one should I read? Ooh, um, re uh, ooh. read the latest one. Read Say It Louder. Say It Louder. Okay. Say It Louder. Oh, my goodness. Say It Louder. Hi, it's great to meet you. I look forward to seeing you at the OpenStack Summit. Oh, thank you so much. I really and appreciate it. you can follow it. Heidi on Twitter. Uh, we'll link it uh, in the YouTube link. And also, when uh, we get the blog out, thanks to my dear friends, uh, Ali Yamagasu and our social media person, Jamie Shoup. Holler, everybody. <laughs> Inclu except, for my, except for my dogs. Say bye. <laughs> Bye, Peace, Mom. Bye, Thank Mom. You.